1: I'm Errol Yabake, Dan's deputy here at CSIS. I am joined today by Jen Spees, product manager at Google's Next Billion Users Team. Jen has tons of experience working in emerging economies, building tech products and other types of products. She's lived and worked in Kenya and South Africa and really all over. We're excited to have her on the podcast today to talk about internet access and and how companies like Google are, are thinking about how to expand their user bases. And in doing so, really bring the emerging world, emerging economies into a new age of technological development. So Jen, thank you for being here. We're really excited to have you on. If you could just tell us a little bit about what you do and what Google's Next Billion Users is, that would be great.
0: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. I am a product manager on Google's Next Billion Users group. If you're not familiar with what a product manager is, I call it sort of you wear many hats and you are a master of none. <laughs> I love that it's very cross-functional. So you're working with everyone from engineers to designers to lawyers, and policy people to really drive the product forward end to end. So I work um, on that specifically for Google's Next Billion Users Group, which is a part of Google that focuses on our next billion users, as, as the name suggests.
1: It's a great name, by the it way. Is, I think yeah. It's a really, It's really, very <laughs> clear. It's very easy. I really like it.
0: Yeah. Uh, a few years ago, the, the company noticed that all of our growth were coming from these markets. And, you know, it's not enough to build products in Mountain View and, and sort of drag and drop them around the world. And there was this effort that we really needed to focus uh, as a company to build products that were really built to serve local needs, solve local problems, and and built with this sort of local user empathy in mind. So that's sort of been the effort that we've been working on for the past few years. And that we've just seen really exciting, I think, progress since since starting up this initiative in Google.
1: That's really great. And thank you for the explanation of the product manager, because those of us who sit in DC don't always understand that in the tech world, you're basically this CEO of this entire work stream. I think it's really interesting that Google is thinking about this. Can you talk to us a little bit about, you know, when I think about emerging economies in the developing world, I think about how technology and the usage of technology more specifically has changed and will continue to change. Can you talk to us a little bit about that change?
0: Yeah, I think the secret sauce of building for MBU is we're increasingly realizing that if you build a hit product for an MBU market, you basically built a product that can scale over in the rest of the world. Because if you think about the key characteristics of MBU markets, they are mobile first. And so in many of these markets, there's uh, what we refer to as a, a leapfrog of desktop computers. So many of the users coming online you know, never had a PC and sort of learned how to use the internet through a desktop. They actually got a smartphone. They had a prepaid data plan. And using their mobile was really how they came to understand and experience the internet. And that's the trend that we actually see happening in the U.S. If you look at time spent online, there's this huge shift that started in around 2012, 2010 or so, and has really accelerated where people are spending less time on a desktop computer and more time on mobile. And um, even the apps that have been really successful lately, like Snapchat and TikTok, those have all built uh, mobile experiences and haven't focused on desktop. So I think one thing that that we believe and that we think is a strength when you build for NVU is you build mobile first, and by doing that, you can sort of scale globally.
1: That's really interesting. And, and you guys obviously have your own operating system that is more open source and, and is accessible to more users. Can you talk to us just a little bit about what types of things folks in, say, Sub-Saharan Africa are doing? You talked about NBU, Next Billion Users products. Can you give us a couple of examples of how that's playing out in practice?
0: Yeah. We think about it in terms of a multi-step journey. Um, and really, the first one is around access and affordability. And that has to do with the price of data in your country, your access to a smartphone. So that the price of a smartphone has really dropped dramatically in the past few years. I think you can buy a smartphone now for around $20, Wow, which is amazing. And so the first step really, and we see this playing out in sub-Saharan Africa, is getting your first smartphone and then being able to afford a data plan. Um, and we actually, there's there's some amazing quotes that I've seen in research where people say Wi-Fi and, and access to data and internet connectivity is more important than electricity or these basic wow. utilities. So people go online. Um, in some countries, they're spending really high percent of their income on um, prepaid cellular data packages. After that happens, I think the most important thing to build for users is content in local languages and um, content that's relevant to them. So if you can imagine you are in South Africa in a rural village or maybe you're in India, if you get online and there's nothing in your language or there's celebrities on YouTube that you've never heard of and you don't care about, it's not a great experience. So... I think the second step that a lot of people at Google are focused on is making sure there's content that is relevant to local users, that's in local dialects. We we also know that uh, local dialect, it's not even just language, but actually having like the vernacular language is really yep. important. Making sure that there's enough content that you can do all of the things that people in the U.S. do when they get online, which is watch videos, check sports scores, follow local entertainment news. All of these things, um, I think the behaviors of what people do online are fairly universal, but um, they do need to be localized.
1: That makes total sense. I'm assuming that all of that tailoring is not going to happen in Mountain View, so how how does that happen? I mean, are you creating a platform with access for developers or how are you thinking about getting that? I mean, what you described as sort of hyper-local tailoring of your products. So how does, without giving away all of the special sauce, which I understand you probably don't want to do, how do you think about that?
0: Yeah, um, and this is a huge effort that involves a ton of teams across the company. So certainly can't speak to all of them, but I know, I know it's everything from thinking about it as an ecosystem, so within YouTube, making sure that it's easy for local creators to upload videos and share those, to also really leaning into the company's strength in machine learning. So that can be a really powerful tool when you think about taking one page in in English, maybe a Wikipedia page, and making sure that it's translated into local dialects. I know there's a lot of efforts around machine learning and language translation that's happening, I think another interesting effort that's happening is even in spoken language. So Google Assistant is something that it's a, it's a voice-enabled piece of hardware. And uh, I know that India is a huge market for it after English speakers. So even making sure that those experiences are sort of well-created and there's enough content and, and machine learning to really train the algorithms is an ongoing effort.
1: So uh, when I think of machine learning and computers or technology products speaking. I'm going to date myself a little bit here, but I think of, you know, the Commodores of the past reading out in language that's quasi unintelligible, that doesn't have the right inflections. And what I'm hearing from you is, is Errol, that's a bit dated. You know, now we are much more sophisticated. Is machine learning and this, is it really going to serve as an assistant? I mean, is Google's assistant going to actually be able to speak in those local dialects?
0: I think that is the hope and the vision for these efforts. Um, Certainly there's a long way to go in terms of product capability, like in, in present day. Definitely, if you think about a lot of these algorithms are just trained by usage and people talking to it and it gathering more data. So it's, it's really just a function of time and usage growth. And over time, you, you certainly see things improve.
1: So over time, you see things improve. I want to talk a little bit about the geographic dispersal of you know, not only next billion users, your focus, but where is this growth going to come from?
0: Yeah. One of the regions, I think, that it's it's almost silly to call it a region because it's so many countries and it's so diverse. But sub-Saharan Africa, I think in the next decade or so, has a, over a billion people who will be participating in the economy. Uh, it's it's a overwhelmingly young population. Like I said- A
1: billion new people or just, just a, total- Just the population
0: of a billion. So if you think about these markets that um, are a big focus for American companies like India and China, just due to population size, like Africa certainly- in terms of size of people and spending power, is going to be similarly attractive in the coming decades for, you know, any American company who is interested in this consumer who's coming online and interested in American products in the next decade.
1: So in addition to Sub-Saharan Africa, you've also mentioned India a couple times. Are there other places, maybe Latin America or Southeast Asia, or do you have a regional focus is, I guess, the question?
0: Yeah. Someone told me once that there were over, I think, 50 markets that were technically NBU oh, wow. in, in terms of the definition. I'd say in practice, there are certainly priority markets. So Brazil and Mexico have huge user populations that we're building for. Southeast Asia is another region where we not only have offices, but tons of users and product focus areas. India, uh, as you mentioned, and certainly markets like Nigeria and South Africa and Kenya, all of which have offices as well.
1: As you were listing off those countries, I'm just thinking that's where, you know, sometimes in D.C. we call this the youth bulge or, you know, demographic change, uh, you know, populations are getting younger and they are thirstier for technology and connectivity. And so all the places that you mentioned are places that the Venn diagram of what you just said overlaps pretty closely with where the next generation of young people will be looking for jobs and their futures. So I think that over 50 doesn't surprise me.
0: Yeah. And I think even just what you mentioned about looking for jobs, we, we've heard that in research where we talk to people who um, are new internet users. So they've come online recently and you know everyone watches YouTube and, and watches videos and other platforms and people search for sports scores. But I think people also say once once they're done doing that sort of entertainment browsing, they look for jobs and for ways to make money. And one of the pieces we've heard in research is the internet's great, I enjoy using it, but, but how can I make money off of this? So if you think about as a company and as a team, we've thought about how can we partner in growing these local economies and um, helping people find on-ramps to the digital economy. And, you know, our thesis is really the digital economy is eventually going to be the economy. There's not going to be such a huge distinction. And so helping people have this way to tap into that and to be able to find jobs and find ways to make money for themselves or their business is really important if you think about the coming decades.
1: That makes a lot of sense. And I like what you said about it's finding jobs, but it's also finding ways of making money. Right, a lot of those countries that you mentioned, people are not looking for nine to five gigs. They're looking, how do I make money in these places? How do I leverage my tech skills and enthusiasm and energy and knowledge into how do I monetize that? And I think, you know, Google's a key part of this.
0: Totally. Yeah. The side hustle is real in many of the markets we go to. I think there's high unemployment. There's a big informal economy. And what we see when we do user research is everyone has multiple businesses or a side job in addition to their primary job. And there's a lot of creativity and entrepreneurship and hustle. And oftentimes we've noticed people hacking or using our products in really creative ways that then inspires product development. I think you see this a lot, um, even in other platforms like WhatsApp, where you have a ton of small businesses um, since before the product enabled usage of small businesses just selling things and people are really powering their storefronts through these apps and using it to sell things that previously they were selling in a storefront offline. It's really coming online for the first time as a lot of these shop owners take control of their parents' businesses and have a, a mobile phone and a data plan.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. One of the underlying issues I see at least, and I'm sure you guys do as well, is In making all of that, I mean, you just painted a really interesting picture of the future, quite honestly, and and a really exciting one. That future is probably not going to happen unless we increase access. And not only access, but quality access, high speed access, reliable access. Can you talk to us a little bit about how you and and NBU is thinking about that access question and whether you agree with me that it's so critical?
0: Completely. We see access as that first building block of before you can develop an ecosystem or a platform or local content, you need to be able to get online and you need to be able to afford a smartphone. And one of our biggest product focus areas in NBU is an initiative called Google Station, which is our product that provides free public Wi-Fi in NBU markets around the world. And the emphasis is on free and open. It's not access to only Google products, it's access to the entire internet. Uh, and we really do see people doing amazing things when they have access to the internet and they're not having to pay for it um, with you know prepaid data plans and can do things like stream videos, take training courses. We've seen people study for degrees using the Wi-Fi in venues that we're located in. So yeah, Station is one of Google's key initiatives when it comes to access specifically.
1: Yeah, which I think is really key. I mean, in my own experience in emerging economies, the unit itself, the phone itself, you mentioned that smartphones are 20 bucks, but without the connectivity, your smartphone is basically a paperweight. And so I think that's a really critical thing. I mean, are we going to have... Google-branded balloons flying over sub-Saharan Africa, or or what's the future of that? How do you create that free and open access in places like that?
0: Yeah, I think it's certainly a partnership between um, local players in the private sector and government and private companies like Google and other players. There's interesting, almost tension between the cost of providing access in certain regions Versus the like social value of doing it in rural areas that might really want connectivity and that's where it's most expensive and needed but it's also very costly to provide access to rural parts of certain countries and that's why you see telecoms not really laying fiber cables to these areas. So we think a lot about how can we provide access and work with local partners in a way that's cost effective and it makes sense from a market perspective. But often those things can be in conflict. And that's why I think you sometimes see these really interesting government partnerships where a government will really lean in, um, especially in these rural areas, to help provide last mile connectivity.
1: Well, I wish you the best of luck because I think that this connectivity piece and this, you know, your ability and and other companies' ability to access the next billion and then the next billion after that is really going to be critical for global development. I think a lot of people think of internet connectivity as a right now. It's not just a utility. I mean, this is actually a, a pretty fundamental human right. So I really enjoyed this conversation. And, and I wanted to thank you for taking the time to talk with us. And you painted a picture of the future that could be very, very interesting and certainly hopeful for the next generation of tech entrepreneurs.
0: Thanks so much for having me. Enjoy the conversation.
1: Excellent. We'll see you next time on Building the Future, Freedom, Prosperity, and Foreign Policy.